Hello and welcome to episode 272 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now joining me on today's episode, I'm joined by the front man from the amazing band Berry Tomorrow, Daniel Winter Bates. Now I say this on a lot of interviews, but I truly mean it. This for me is one of the best interviews that I've done this year. But actually, when I really think about it, it's probably the most enjoyable experience I've done since I've started Mark and Me. Me and Daniel just hit it off straight away, but we get really deep and really open and really honest about mental health. And I think there's a message in this that a lot of people can take away. If you're listening and you're suffering or you have these horrible negative days or you don't think you're good enough, please have a listen to this interview because I think Daniel's advice is unbelievable. And for me, it's so important that more people speak up if you're suffering And I hope you take a lot from today's interview, because I did. And Daniel is just an absolutely amazing guest. And that interview will be coming up in just a couple of moments' time. But before I get there, let's touch base and talk about my last episode. On episode 271, I was joined by the amazing actress, Crew Boylan. A massive thank you to everyone that tuned in, everyone that shared the episode on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And the response was absolutely amazing. But today it really is all about Berry Tomorrow, one of the best bands on the scene, one of the best British bands out there. And as you're listening to this, their brand new album, The Seventh Sun, is out right now. During this interview, I was lucky enough to hear a promo copy of it and the album is astonishing. And I can't wait to see them later in the UK this year because honestly, they're one of the best live bands out there and the brand new LP is just unreal. And just before we get to that interview, I want to give a big shout out to the sponsors of this podcast, Richer Sounds. Those guys help me each and every month and are my main sponsor. And thanks to Richer Sounds, it allows me to go out there and record more interviews for you guys at home. So if you're in the market for a brand new TV or any hi-fi gear or a turntable or whatever you need, go on richersounds.com or visit a store because those guys really are the best. And a massive thank you for supporting Mark and me. But like I said, today's interview is one of my favourites. I can't wait to share it with you, so let's get to it. Here's me and Daniel talking all things music. So Dan, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Thank you for having me, Mark. I really appreciate it. Dan, what I like to do is, for the listeners that might be tuning in for the very first time and discovering your work, is take it right back to the very start. So... Talk to me when you were a kid. Can you remember those first albums that you remember buying maybe with your pocket money or you did a paper round and spent all your money on music? But what was those first couple of albums that basically made you fall in love with music? Yeah, I mean, I think I was uh, I was quite an early starter, I think, and especially in the touring world because I, I actually started touring in a band when I was 16. So um, and I've been in band since I was probably around nine or 10 years old. So... I was, uh, I, whilst I was buying my first CDs, I was probably also playing in, in bands at the same time. So, um, I was a kid of the new metal era though. So I was a kid very much in the era of people like Papa Roach and Limp Biscuit and Linkin Park and all the, all the super commercial kind of when it was metal was at its kind of height, I think in, um, in the UK and, and worldwide really. But yeah, I think. One of my first, the first record I was blown away by was definitely Infest by Papa Roach. I was like, this is, how can you make heavy music this beautifully catchy and melodic? And I, I remember that era was like, all of these albums went to number one. I remember the era of when like Slipknot Iowa came out. Um, Iowa was number one 
in in the UK, and then second was System of a Down, Toxicity, and it's just like what other era have we ever been in since that era that had? And I'm sure Papa Roach was probably number nine or something on in there. Linkin Park was probably in there as well. Yeah, it's just a crazy time that I always classify myself as you know as part of the alternative subculture and, and specifically in the kind of metal world and. uh but you can't really classify it as alternative back then because most people were listening to it, to be honest, clearly. It was incredible. And I remember bands like Korn and people like queuing up for the um, Life is Peachy album and everyone getting excited mm. and wearing those hoodies with the nice prints down the arm. And there was all these great gigs and bands and festivals. And I remember the lineup for those sort of early Ozfests and stuff like this. And all those mm. bands you've mentioned today are just mind-blowing. And the fact that some of them have been going 20, 25 years later and still putting out great music especially stuff like corn unbelievable bands there and uh yeah i mean did you get were you lucky enough at that age to go and sort of see some of these bands yeah i mean um i did certainly from the uk scene so there was also bands like pitch shifter that that were a uk based band um and actually weirdly one of my first shows was uh watching sixth and sixth has um dan weller as part of them and our first record was recorded by dan weller the guitarist of sixth and uh and Justin Hill, who is the second vocalist of Sixth as well. And then Dan's actually coincidentally obviously produced um, many records for us post post that, um, being Black Flame, uh, Black Flame and Cannibal and um, now The Seventh Son. So it's, it's amazing where it all comes back round. But actually some of my first shows, again, kind of as an early bloomer, um, well, when I was playing shows, so some of my, yeah. my first festivals that I went to ever were me playing. Um, How awesome really is that? Weird thing. Yeah, it's really cool. You do when you're in it. You don't. I suppose when you're you know you're a kid and you're experiencing that stuff, you don't overtly like think you know ethereally of how incredible this is or objectively how incredible this is. But it is pretty cool when you go back and you think like you know that was a really cool experience. My first time at Reading and Leeds was was playing. My first time at Download was playing. My first time at Sonosphere in Nebworth was playing. Um, I think the only festival I've ever been to without it me playing is Isle of Wight Festival and Festival. Yeah. They were the only two that I've been to that haven't haven't been. And yeah, I've put it this way, lots and lots of festivals I've played over the years. Being in the band and obviously on the inside, which is sometimes difficult to kind of step back and see, but seeing you going up the stages and getting into bigger tents each year and kind of then seeing your name higher up on the bill is it quite hard to kind of reflect at the time and see the success you're going under or is it just now with hindsight that you can step back and really appreciate of how far you've come because then you're saying i've interviewed over 250 people now on this podcast i've never had anyone until now say that the first festival they went to I played. I went to download because I played. I went to Sonosphere because I played. And I, I'm, it's all hard work. It's not luck, but it, it must be unbelievable to have that experience. But at the same time, do you think you appreciated it at the time because you were so caught up in it in such a kind of just a such a, a boom so quick? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a bit of both. I think obviously retrospectively, when you look back and you, you know, you put milestones in your career, don't you? And you just go, wow, like, what yeah. an opportunity, yeah. you know, and genuinely that's what keeps us going. What an amazing opportunity to be the age I am and be almost classified as as old, old in the industry now. Legacy. Which is, <laughs> which is hilarious. You know, He's a legend. Is, 
yeah yeah it's it's really weird like we you know we're almost a nostalgic band with still releasing brand new songs and getting hype which is really an interesting complex to be in in itself but i think you just caught up in the excitement to be honest mate like i think you i don't think you think about it when you do your firsts when you're first going to you know a new country or your first getting out of you know southampton and playing a show or your first you know playing a festival like i don't think you you don't necessarily think about it as a first. Um, I think when we first got on a plane, I remember being like, we went to America and I remember just being like, this is so weird. How is a band taking me to America? That is so odd. And when we went to Australia, but a lot of that stuff happened quite late for our band or later for our band. Um, you know, we were, we were doing the UK, you know, slog for a long, long time prior. And, but, um, and you kind of in that, you kind of, you get to a stage and it works in almost well it did back in the day i'm not sure it works as much it sounds very legacy when i say back in the day doesn't it but um it almost is like you know we played loads in southampton and portsmouth and then we were like we're, we're going to go on tour and we literally just decided we were like right that's it we're touring and we just went and literally played every venue in the uk we went on like a six and a half week seven week uk long tour which was just absolutely mental to think about it now. We played basically every venue in the UK back in like May 2007, 2008. And, um, and it was just amazing because what it did was is give us a perspective of what we could be and it, it helped us learn and it kind of helped us connect with the UK um, and just gave us experience. You know, we, I was a kid, you know, and to gain that cultural experience, you know, to gain that different, you know, connection that networking that you get from kind of doing that on a on a fundamental level was amazing but i think in regards to like the festivals and its success and seeing yourself rise you do notice of course and like but i would be lying if it, it wasn't what i wanted you know we didn't want the band to be confined into the venues that we first started playing like and much respect to those people that more go down that art art route or diy route and that's how they want to stay and that's their that's their uh, operators mode and that's what they want and and i you know i dig that i love bands that that do that i think for us we were always like eyes on the eyes on the stars essentially of like we just want to be i want to play as many to as many people on this planet as i possibly can yeah i mean did you kind of keep moving the goalposts because you had achieved you know was there a target that you set yourself because you know there must have been a point when you're like fuck i never expected like you said to get to america with the band and then you are mm. and then you're going back and then doing bigger venues in america and then you're getting to go around europe and you must be like constantly aiming higher and higher yeah i think you do you definitely set yourself like it's almost like business kpis almost yeah like, you know we want to get there we want to get we want to get to that position but like genuinely i think our band is so underestimative of our of our kind of trajectory that we always low bar ourselves anyway to be honest with you we're quite like you know oh we're gonna let's buy a let's headline a venue that's over 500 cap and like and we'd have been doing that like three years ago we'd have said that and it's like we were already doing that and it's just because you don't you know you, i think there's a level of you, you you touched on it before like luck like there is luck there's masses of luck like we're very very lucky and honored and privileged to be able to do this and it's not for me saying it just to sound you know to bring in humility into the conversation but it is important you know that you recognize we are bloody lucky to be able yeah. to do this you know and and have gone as long as we have yeah there's persistence yeah there's hard work of course there is like we had many opportunities to give up and, and not do this and we still keep pushing forward but we're privileged to be in a position that we are that we can continue and so we're very very honored to do that and so 
I think we just, we go with the flow, to be honest. And as I said, like, if your aspiration is, I want to play the biggest venues on the planet. Like, I don't want to sacrifice our music to get there, but I want to be, I want to, I want our band to be one of the biggest. And, you know, if you've got that in mind, but you keep that integrity, I mean, anything that comes along is great, isn't it? And you can take that in your stride. Because otherwise, if you're like, I'm only ever going to be here, and then suddenly you get thrust into you know, a mega opportunity. It can be quite daunting. And I, I can honestly say I'm quite, quite, um, quite lucky with how I approach things. Cause you know, I remember when we first did download main stage and obviously it was absolutely ridiculous when you look at it, you know, 50,000 people out in front of you, you did Reading and Leeds main stage, you know, 30, 40,000 people in front of you. Like it's, uh, it's mental. Yeah. And when you're, you, and you can sit back retrospectively and look at it, you go, this is absolutely crazy for a metal band to do this. But when you're on it, it's almost like this is this is us. This is where we should be. Like, and it's not almost like an arrogance. It's more no, just no. A confidence. They're like, here we go. Like, of course, we're going to work. You know, and and as much as I love my job, my, the best thing you, I could ever do is is be in a band. Um, but actually, there's a confidence of like, yeah, this is my job. I'm here to work. Here we go. And I love that. Like, that's our work ethic. You know. I mean. I've had a few bands on recently that have been going for sort of 20, 20 plus years, stuff like Everclear, Feeder, uh, most recently Incubus. And I've asked them all because it's something that plays on my mind and I start to think about too much. But what is it that keeps the hunger going? Because to have so many years in the industry, when you see things change so dramatically, especially with streaming and so much importance now on playing live and merch and going out and trying to pay these shows as much as you can you know you'd never see a band like tall or metallica play less you know they do sort of 10 shows every two or three years now they're doing every year because that's where the money is but mm. for you guys you still got that hunger you've got new music about to drop at the end of the month you've got you know i'm sure loads of stuff you can't talk about yet but there's i'm sure there's lots more tours and gigs and everything else but you do seem as a band as hungry as ever and it's not like it's your first debut gig or your first ever festival appearance. You still got that desire and passion that some bands you see let fade and it just becomes a job and they just go through the motions, but you guys are wanting it more than ever. Yeah. I mean, I think for, you know, for me, it's more about, I don't see it. And I, we made, I made reference didn't I? I joked about it then about being, you know, almost like a nostalgic band now. And I, I just, I, I think the part of the hunger is that, we've always been presented with new hype, which I think is always a mental thing. Honestly, it, it it blows our mind. I remember when we released Black Flame and everyone lost their minds to it. And it was like, this is a brand new band. And it's like, we're not a brand new band. We've been around for like 10 years, <laughs> 10 years at that point. But I, it was an amazing experience. And, and some bands get really bitter about that, you know, and, and you get the, you get the two tranches of people that want to release new music and everyone says it's the best thing and then forgets about their old stuff or, people that you release new music and then get upset about when people don't like your older stuff. And it's like, well, you, this is just music. This is the world we live in. And there is a certain acceptance of the way music is consumed. Our music is consumed immediately, you know, yeah. and it's not, it's not what we made reference to before as much anymore, which is the going and queuing and buying the record and getting the vinyl and putting it in and going through the whole album. Like, yes, people still do that, but it's definitely, I would argue, is more in a minority now than it's ever been because people stream it and yeah. and they get music. And and I think lots of bands fight against that. And they're like, no, like that's not our era. That's not our thing. And I'm like, you know what? Like, it's the way people want to consume music. I'm not going to tell someone how they want to listen to our 
our music if they want to listen to it song by song and it's split up and it's moved around and it's shuffled it's not the way it was intended but at the end of the day it's their choice and i you know and i think we've got to be more humble in that space whilst i think bands of many years can get caught up in the artistry a little bit and like and almost like this self-fulfilling prophecy of being a bit arrogant in that space of like you know it's like when people write an album that's completely left field and they're like we don't care about our fans we just write music for ourselves and it's kind of like you know like it's very self-indulgent it's definitely not something our band's about like i write our music solely for our fans of course like, is what who else am i writing it for i'm not writing it for me to go and sit down and with a vinyl listen to it myself i write it completely for our fans but i also write it with the mindset that we make gain new fans with different you know styles and different influences so i think for me like the renewed energy is like we've also been quite lucky or unlucky whichever way we want to frame it in like having different changes as we've gone you know we've been at the precipice of not being a band many times and something has happened which has meant that we continue and that's almost given us this like these different cycles to our band rather than like yeah we're seven albums in and it's been a straight seven the whole time we've done the same cycle we play the same music and i think we were kind of getting there in cannibal where our previous album which was um which was a real big it was a real success massive it was the biggest record we'd released at the time um as they kind of all have done and i think that also helps you know obviously it helps the, the bigger and better the albums get of the more course. response you get you're like wow okay um but with the seventh son it was like you know we had a lineup change a major part of our music you know a lineup change and that has just created a whole new ethos and dynamic in the band which means that we're just overtly positive like sickeningly positive about the future of our band and so that helps you know because we're after coming out of the pandemic two and a half years of not doing anything in music releasing an album in the midst of you know, right at the start of the pandemic to not be able to tour any of those songs for two and a half years to then come out and have a major change in the band like how can we not feel like a new band almost you know and it's so it, and, and it feels like that which is again i think some bands would get caught up in that and go oh people people like the old people like the new whatever like the end of the day it's still our band if people go back and listen to our music it's still our music if people listen to the new stuff and like it more it's that's the direction we're going in fantastic you know and i think you've just got to be quite laid back with it sometimes i totally understand and i think the whole lineup change is a new dynamic is a new way of thinking it's somebody else having different input it changes everything so i think it keeps it fresh as well yeah absolutely i mean and again like i think our ethos is to integrate those you know our two two newest members in as as quickly as as possible you know to be part of the team to to put their influence in their stamp i don't want people as passengers no i want people to be thoroughly part and immersed and love it as we do and so you know it's when we changed um to having a six piece instead of a five like tom and ed were immediately it was like no they're they're part of the writing process it's not these aren't session musicians these are these are new members of the band because um you know it's not dissing anyone with session musicians it works for a lot of bands lots and lots actually many more than people really realize but actually when it comes to our band we were like we know we want that influence that was part of it that we wanted to change and why not use this this uh quite large change in our structure to then change our music slightly as well because it's like now's the opportunity that we can be bigger and better than we've ever been you know 
I'm just trying to digest in what you say there, and it's it's so true. And as much as session musicians do work, and bands like Paramore, you know, they're incredible, and they've got these session musicians. It's always the same three that are the songwriters, and I think you know that's the bands I see work so well together because they've got the the history. And I think that still needs to be there. I still think you need that friendship and that companionship and mm. those personalities and the love for each other and respect. I think is the big word to always work well together. Yeah, I think you do. I think. But I think you can gain that, you know, and yes, the history is important. And, and, you know, for our band, keeping that historical feel to it in that, you know, we're not we're not completely deviating away from what makes Berry Tomorrow Berry Tomorrow. But what we are doing is adding um, talented individuals to the mix without this bravado of like they don't know what the best is for our band. Um, you know, they they quite possibly could many more people have not listened to our band than have listened to us unfortunately that's the case is you know and it will be that probably for the duration of this band there's a lot of people in this world and so you know i think having people that can come in and challenge the process and and influence and as long as it's done as you said you know respect is a major part of it and i respected those two individuals ed and tom wholly even before they were in the band and so actually them coming in and, and being able to sit with humility in a in a room and us all challenge each other's ideas is, is you're going to get the best product because you now even from a mathematical point of view you have two minds for the one and yeah. so yeah. you know and a positive and i cannot overestimate or overstate the the difference a positive vibe makes it is huge you know and we know that you know so physiologically if you're in a place where you're stressed or you're um or you're feeling somewhat stifled or you're feeling low like you're not going to be your most creative self it just doesn't happen it's not, it's the way the brain works the chemical imbalance it doesn't work in the way so physiologically we're in a place where we felt very like this isn't going to go in the right way and so you know now having people that come in and go this is amazing isn't this the best time oh it's fantastic off we go and it renews all of that those endorphins you're like great off we go like <laughs> this is fantastic like please please be part of this you know and so yeah it's just added a completely different dynamic which i love uh you know and it's a wholly positive place one thing i really love and respect about you is that you don't wear a mask and life on social media can be so much only showing the good stuff and i'm guilty of it you know you have a good day and you put it online you don't put yourself sitting there crying or having a bad day where you're questioning everything but you are very open and honest about your life and who you are and i think more people and i need to say this correctly because i don't want to be misquoted but i think men struggle more to be open enough around other men and i've seen a real change over the last couple of years where it's not so embarrassing to put your hands up and say i've got mental health issues or i'm depressed or i'm feeling suicidal and I think something that you're doing that is so important, not just in the music industry, but the whole entertainment industry is saying that there are days that you don't have good days. There's days mm. when you can struggle. And I want you to keep on doing this. And I want people to keep on being open and honest because it's so important because I've lost close people in my life because of suicide and I've lost good people because of depression. And I hope you appreciate just how important what you're doing is because it makes a difference and people can look mm. at you as their idol and their hero and think, thank fuck Dan is like me. Dan is having a bad day. Dan is upset. And I hope you understand just how 
how kind of um i'm trying to think of the word how kind of i know it's not even beneficial just how effective it can be to other people's lives no and i appreciate that so much and it you know it's great that that people see it for for kind of what it is and i think you know and it's not all it's not all a selfless act you know obviously it is a uh it's an opportunity for me to learn about myself as well. Like my reflection, my timestamps that I put in the brief time that you get in social media is, is, uh, is for me to be as open and honest as I can. So when I look back, you know, in a, a wholly introspective way, I can see where I've been. And, you know, when we're talking about, you know, the journey of our band, that's what we do with our timestamps and our album and our things. And for me, in my own personal journey with my own mental health, like, I can look back and say, oh, I know how I was feeling exactly on that day. And, um, and that's all, you know, and that's awesome. And I, and I felt, you know, for me, I'm so honest about a lot of things. Why not be that honest about the days that just aren't working for me, you know, and everybody goes through it, you know, and you're right with your quote, um, men, um, absolutely categorically, uh they there's two major statistics one of which most more much more likely uh to have acute episodes of mental health and thus suicide uh than anybody else um with intersectionality so race and ethnicity being a massive part of that also um and when it comes to reaching out for any kind of preventative uh support or clinical treatment they are um i think it's three times less likely to reach out um than others which it just classifies everything and it then it what it does is it shows that it is wholly about stigma um and that's not to say that um those that don't sit in the category of male um uh all equally you know don't have masses of stigma as i made reference to before um, intersectionality being a huge part of that cultural differences and uh you know race ethnicity gender identity sexuality ability all of those come into play when it comes for people being able to be open about the things that they need. Um, but if I can give just one perspective, like, and somebody out there goes, you know what? That is, that is, um, that's me. And I hear that and that, and that relate, I relate to that, or I might be slightly different, but that, you know, I relate to that. And that's really important for me. And I think, you know, for, for many things, um, people talk about talking about it don't they and, and you get two tranches of people they say talk about it and they think it's going to solve everything and you get the other tranche of people that say talking about it does nothing and and kind of both are wrong i think in both part both parts the most important thing about talking about it is that when you share experiences mental health is an incredibly innately isolating place part of the uh psychological effect or the uh, physiological effect or the chemical imbalance that you have in all aspects of mental health really acute um, down to an anxious moment is it's inherently isolating place you don't feel like anybody else could have gone through what you're going through low high mood uh, ocd obsessive thoughts intrusive thoughts psychosis and on the list goes that is just an innate condition that's a symptomatic response and so if you can look out and also books don't tell you that no like with a break it's very easy under a microscope to look at a break and well, I make that sound, my trauma and orthopedic colleagues probably would have my life for saying that it's an easy thing to do. However, it's uh, when you look at something on a microscope, you can see that it heals. That's how it heals. And really nine out of 10 
fractures will heal in a similar way and that's how we go yes complications but that's how it goes when you look at your brain yes you can fire see firing neurons but you can't see how it feels that's the hard thing and so experience sharing is that's why that's so important and so you know i committed to that for a long time i can't say it's all easy it's not the easiest thing to do but there is a there is a connection that you make when you share those experiences beyond anything else. Um, and when I did Cannibal as an introspective album, every lyric on that is about me. Um, that was my last flag in the sand to say, this is the only place I've not done this, which is fully in my lyrics. Everywhere else, I've done the safe spaces. I've done all the stuff online. I do my work in the NHS. But that was the last part that I hadn't done. And doing that was a really freeing experience. So when we go into the seventh sun, I can just talk about it and I can just go into it. And now every live show since, you know, I have great conversations with people about their own mental health, as hard as that might be. You know, life's hard, you know. And yeah. Complex conversations are the key to, to most in this world. You know, they're the key to tackling discrimination and they're definitely the key to tackling uh, well-being, which is having complex conversations where we really understand each other better that's not an easy thing to do me going to you mark hi how are you and you go yeah i'm all right and i go cool see you later then it's <laughs> not a meaningful conversation i was having a deep and meaningful conversation about the the parts that you might not be feeling great at you know and that might be really hard but if i make enough time we might be able to get somewhere with that you know that's the important part about connection you know is is there and i know this is a big question and kind of putting you under pressure but is there anything that you changed in life that had a massive dramatic effect for a positive outcome that was just something that was needed at the right time that if someone's listening today and they're having those negative thoughts i'm not saying you buy a book i'm not saying you listen to a certain podcast but is there something that you just maybe fine-tuned or something that you did differently that really helped or made the massive difference yeah mindfulness absolutely i i know it back to front like for me the art of mindfulness understanding the concept of mindfulness not buying into this stigma stigma around it which is it's all it's all meditation like i think meditation is one of the most powerful tools on the planet however i know for some people it's very difficult um but the concept of in the moment mindfulness the concept of taking that moment to breathe and understand your own fundamental breath how does the mechanisms work and be able to take a moment in whatever you're doing whether it's out walking the dog and it starts raining you take a moment to really understand that rain and feel it and fundamentally that or do exercise and box or you know skate or uh, run or ride or whatever it is that people do or take a moment you know with their kids to look at them and go wow what a miracle isn't that incredible uh, you know they're coming together of cells and and blood and bone and, and is as a kid it's like you make that that's a miracle you know and i think to take a fundamental moment to really appreciate the moment changed my life for the better and understand that actually mindfulness is just the practice of think not thinking about the past and not thinking about the future it's literally this moment right now what can you feel what can you hear what can you see what can you taste what is it that is in this moment because when you do that, I don't know, for me, there was just a freeing aspect. And it was in com combination with things like meditation and CBT and, and stuff like that. But also the fundamental concept of it was something that I got on a deep and granular level where I was like, I could sit at a desk and be like, right now and go like, okay, 
what am I feeling right now? Because then you kind of surrender yourself weirdly to the like the absolute miracle of life. And I know that sounds like a really broad, it sounds like I've got a quote behind me on on a wall, you know, live, laugh, love. It sounds like I've basically <laughs> done that. But like if you surrender yourself to, sorry to everyone that's got live, laugh, love on their, in their bathroom or something. But like for me, it's like, if you think about the fundament, if you think about the insignificance, I mean, for some people, that's a really scary thing. But if I think about myself right now, the insignificance of me, but also the significance of me, it's almost like it's like its own yin and yang, which is like, I'm so insignificantly significant in the grand scheme of things that it's kind of like, well, I might as well impact this world in the best possible way I can. Every connection, every moment, every... um and so when you think about every like situation and then you think about that and you go, well, if I'm doing that, why am I worrying about the other stuff that is that is passing by? And someone gave me an analogy once and it really helped me with this. So mindfulness is like standing in a river. Right. And when you think about intrusive thoughts, that's like debris coming down the river. So you're in a shallow river on your knee uh, or, you know, up to your knees or up to your waist. And you've got all this debris coming down. And what? intrusive thoughts are and what things like anxiety and, and ocd intrusive thoughts are is basically putting your arms out and trying to catch the river and all of the stuff that's coming down mindfulness is the practice of understanding your footing and letting things go by and that is the is it so you watch them and you notice them and you say oh there's a big log over there it's coming down and you watch it go past you and you go that was a log okay the art of like mindfulness and really ascertaining what you want to worry about or what you want to make a situation is looking at, say, a leaf or a log or a twig, going, ah, that's something I want to look at. And you make the conscious choice, not your mind making the conscious choice. So someone told me that and I was literally like, that literally makes it's sense. fucking I'm brilliant when you're saying it i'm yes. thinking what do i want to allow to go past me <laughs> and be okay with it passing me and not trying to fucking grab everything yeah, and it might come back round. You know, the yeah. river might be a circular river, and you know what? And and mindfulness and meditation is a really, really hard practice. Like meditation is hard. I do body scans, which are for people with uh, body image issues. So I've I've had an anorexia in the past. I do have still have body dysmorphia. Like it's quite tough. It can be a really difficult and triggering experience. However, I really connect with them. Um, I'm not huge on kind of uh, hypothetical. Me uh, meditation where it's like oh imagine a a, a leaf or imagine yeah. a, a feather i tend to drift um but real practical meditation genuinely like if people scoff at it before they try it it's a very very naive thing to do because it is an incredibly powerful tool breath work is one of the most important things in um, life and you you know loads of people are doing that now with extreme fitness and things like wim hof and stuff like that like it's shown you know scientifically this stuff is very very beneficial for us you know it's one of Not my favorite answers to uh, <laughs> any question i've ever asked and the answer is unbelievable <laughs> yes. and i'm i'm hoping that helps a lot of people but um thank you my, my final question for you today and i do this to everyone that comes on the podcast is you get to choose the outro piece of music so every person that comes on gets to choose whatever music or song or score from a film or whatever it is but on the spot i'm going to ask you to choose today's outro piece of music or a song or a band you love that closes today's episode so we've edited it all it's there for the world to listen to we've done an outro and then that final song plays what's the one that came to your heart and soul when i asked the question and put you on the spot straight away the the artist that came to mind was la dispute and la dispute are one of my favorite bands on the planet i've actually got their lyrics they're the only lyrics not my own which is very ostentatious tattooed on my body and um 
and Ladisfeet are a hardcore band. Um, and they're just, it's, I mean, hard, saying they're a hardcore band is probably doing them a massive disservice. They're one of the, the greatest, uh, they have one of the greatest lyricists going, I would say. Um, and it's an incredibly emotive song. Um, it's called I See Everything by, uh, by, um, La Dispute. And it is, um, about a family struggle with their child who, uh, has a terminal illness and eventually uh, passes away, which is, is incredibly sad, but it talks about resolve and it, and the way it's written is written from the perspective of somebody walking into a classroom. So the lead singer walking into a classroom and then reading from a diary. Oh my and God. So the amazing. whole thing is a diary entry. And it goes through the dates and it goes through the times and it will bring chills to anybody that listens to that, those lyrics. So yeah, it's one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, the entire album Wildlife is one of my favorite albums of all time, but yeah, beautifully lyrically, um, beautiful songwriting, but yeah. I saw them, um, I saw them with, I think it was Frice a few years back and, uh, they blew my mind and it was one of those things where I remember coming home thinking I need to check out that band and never got around to it as much. And sometimes when people come on the podcast and recognize or discuss a band that I'm familiar with, but I haven't listened to them or I've, I've, I've neglected them. Now's my opportunity because I'll go and edit this song, put it in, listen to the lyrics. And then I know for the next two or three weeks, I'll be obsessed. Um, yeah. And the album is amazing. King Park is the, is the song that I have tattooed on me, um, which is an incredible and unbelievable song. Um, but yeah, I see everything is a, just a beautiful song to listen to. Um, it's very sad, yeah, but you know, I think music's supposed to move you, isn't it? Yeah. Like that song is a moving, moving piece of music. It's honestly been incredible today. And I feel like we've just scratched the surface and I truly mean yeah. that. And I would welcome you back whenever you want to come back on. I feel like we could talk for a couple of hours just on the subject of well-being and, you know, positivity yeah. and being um, honest with each other. And um, I think today's a great introduction and I really appreciate you coming on and genuinely I can't wait to see and listen to the new album and get out there and hopefully see you play some shows but you are more than welcome whenever you want or maybe we do it in person one day and we really you know put the world to rights because it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you and I genuinely would would love that whenever whenever you want um, you know just reach out and we'll make it happen for sure it's been amazing so thank you for your for the the chilled out but also intricacy of the questions that that you've you've spoken about it's really really appreciative so there it is there's my interview with me and daniel from the amazing band berry tomorrow and as you heard this is why i thought today's interview is one of my favorites that i've ever done the honesty how deep he got and he's not afraid to put his hands up and say that he's gone through some really bad times, but how he's come out of it. And he still suffers now. And I think these are the messages that people should be pulling out there. I understand that you go on social media and you see these amazing pictures of people having the best life, but it isn't always like that. So it's really important that people like Daniel are getting those messages out there that it's okay to not be okay. And if you're suffering, then please speak to anyone. And I hope that anyone that's listened to today's episode who is suffering can take something away and maybe it'll help and improve. But as always, I want to say a massive thank you to Daniel for coming on the show. And as I said at the start of today's interview, Berry Tomorrow's brand new album is out right now. It's called The Seventh Sun and you need to go and check it out. And if you do, let me know what you think. I always reply to any comment I get on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can email me off markandme.com and I'll make sure I always read and reply to everyone's messages. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, please share it. You know how to do this now. You go on markandme.com. There's links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. 
you can put it as a story on Instagram, you can retweet it on Twitter, or you can just hit that share button on Facebook. But then someone who might be a fan of Berry Tomorrow sees the logo, sees Mark and me and goes, oh, I'll listen to that. And the next thing you know, they're on board and they're listening each and every week to Mark and me. And that's the sort of marketing that money can't buy. So please, if you're listening to this today, you've enjoyed it, just hit that share button. It really goes a long way. And to keep Mark and me going, and I do this and I need it more than ever, I do have a Patreon account and the link is on markandme.com and each and every month you get an exclusive episode called The Lost Tapes which is just for people on Patreon to say a massive thank you for supporting me. You get a badge as soon as you sign up, some stickers, a brand new monthly newsletter that I've just introduced and so much more is coming your way and all that support goes right back into the podcast and really, really helps. I want to say again one more thank you to the amazing Daniel Winter Bates for coming on the show. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on and we will make sure that we do a follow-up very, very soon. In the meantime, I'll be back with a brand new episode very soon. So until then, look after yourself, take care, listen to Berry tomorrow and I'll speak to you all very soon. Celebration song.